It's a joy and a privilege to be able to share the Word of God with all of you. Um, I, actually, you know, I, I, I want you to understand that as your pastor, as the person who is primarily responsible to bring the Word of God uh, to you week after week, you know, I consider it a great privilege to be able to unpack the Word of God uh, for us. And I, take, I don't take this lightly. It's such a privilege to be able to, to make the Word of God, you know, real and relevant uh, to, to the church. And it's been a joy to take you to the book, uh, to the Beatitudes. And today we've come to the last Beatitude. And I just want to remind everyone that we don't study the Beatitudes just to know about it, but we study it in order to live it out. Because truth does not transform life. I said it again. It's always truth applied that transforms life. And as we learn and we lift it out, we begin to see, we taste the reality of it. And when it becomes real to us, then it becomes a conviction. And when it becomes a conviction, it will really rule our life. And that's what it's all about. So may the Lord uh, guide us as we continue to go through it and let it become something real to everyone. Okay, are you ready for the final beatitude? So let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And I've read this about eight times now. <laughs> but I'm going to read it one last time uh, for you. Matthew chapter 5, I will start reading from verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's so interesting to note that we have a double blessing on this one when it comes to persecution. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. And let's talk to the the word before we let the word speak to us, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Your word that instructs us, inspires us, and your word that literally transforms us from the inside out. I pray that this morning, as your word is being delivered, Lord, open our eyes to see so that we can be changed from within. As we commit this time of sharing to you, may you anoint your servant so that I may deliver your word faithfully and under your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you read this last beatitude, uh, it may have striked us as being a little bit out of place because the previous beatitude to this is actually on being a peacemaker. And then we had to ask ourselves, you know, persecution seems like the last thing that should be linked to being a peacemaker. Is that true? If you're a peacemaker and then you get persecution, but the truth is this, that when we truly seek to be a peacemaker, as we learned from last week, the starting point is the gospel. 
And when you truly want to, to be a peacemaker, we can be considered as troublemakers by the world. In fact, the more we seek to live out the Beatitudes, the values of the kingdom will definitely collide with the values of this world. And therefore, persecution will come. Opposition will arise. Um, in fact, if you look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Blessed are you when men revive you and persecute you. Now, notice that the word used is not if men revive you, revive you or persecute you, but the word used is when. When men persecute you, revive you. Now, this means that there's no question it will happen. You try and live out the values of the kingdom in this world, it will collide. There's a collision of values that will happen in your workplaces, in your neighborhood, in your schools, it will happen. See, and the word use is always not if, but when. Now, whether you like it or not, brothers and sisters, the day when you and I came into the kingdom of God, we did not just join a family, we actually joined an army. How many of you know the church is also an army? Yeah, we, the day you come to, to, in, into the kingdom, you didn't just join a family, you, you just joined an army. We don't just have a Christian walk, we have a Christian warfare. The day when you come to Christ, you didn't just make a lot of new friends, which is wonderful to have a community like that. You also made some new enemies. The moment you became a friend of God, we also became an enemy of Satan. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, we are at war. I think you didn't get me the first time. I'll say it again. <laughs> we are at war. You see, then the word, and, and like it or not, we are at war. We, we are involved in a spiritual war and it's going on. That word persecuted in the Greek is the word dioko, which actually means to put to flight. It means to drive away. The other word picture you get of this word persecuted is to chase after with hostility. That's the severity of it. And when we begin to lift out the values of God, there will be a head-on collision with the world. And like it or not, if you really live in the values of the kingdom, the world will want to chase us, to drive us away with hostility. It's like somebody said, if you have been walking with God for a long time and you never come face to face with the devil, then watch out. You can be going in the same direction as him. Because if you are going in the opposite direction from the devil, sooner or later you will meet up with him. There will be opposition. The early Christians understood this so well because they were literally hunted down like animals and tortured. They expected it because Jesus himself warned them in John chapter 15, verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And the early church understood that. And church history actually tells us that the moment Christianity started, the imprisonment, the stoning, the execution started. Christians were accused of all sorts of things, ranging from treason uh, to political uprising to cannibalism even. When they partake Holy Communion in the early church, they were accused of being cannibals because they eat the flesh of Jesus and drink His blood. So they were considered cannibals. And as it were, with the prophets of old, 
So it was with the early church and so it will be for the church today. And we must understand that. Paul, in fact, stated it as a certain fact in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Paul told the church, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And church, I want you to know that persecution is still happening across the face of the earth today. We, are just, we just happen to be so blessed to be living in a free country. But there are so many nations, so many churches across the world, they are under, undergoing severe persecution today. Open Doors published an annual World Watch list which features the world's 50 most persecuted nations. There are 50 most persecuted nations. And in the 2021 report, which is this year, more than 340 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution for their faith. When, we, when I say high levels, it means they face death. See, and, and that is, you know what that means? 340 million. It means one in eight Christians are undergoing persecution worldwide today. We don't realize it. That's all. But it's there. It's reality. In the top 50 countries alone, 309 million Christians suffer very high or extreme levels of persecution and discrimination. COVID-19 actually became a catalyst for the, for the repression of minority Christians who in countries from Bangladesh to India to Pakistan to Yemen to Sudan, they were at times denied emergency relief. Why? Because of their faith. In India, you can read it, in India, 80,000 Christians were turned away uh, from food distribution points because of their faith. Because they were Christians, they were not given emergency supplies. In some villages in Nigeria, Christians are given one-sixth of what the Muslims would get. On what basis? On the basis of their faith. The top five persecuted nations today, they are North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, and Pakistan. Those are the top five. On the Open Doors website, you read stories like this. North Korea, by the way, has been the world, on the world watch list most dangerous nation to follow Jesus for the last 20 years. For the last 20 years, they've been at the top. Christians in North Korea, you know, face violence, extreme levels of persecution in every aspect of their life. Every aspect. If you are being discovered as a Christian in North Korea, that's a death sentence. That's it. You are dead. Those, you are either killed instantly or you are taken to labor camps with other political prisoners. And very few actually survive the terrible conditions that are there. Kim Jong-un, the rocket man, uh, is reported to have expanded the system of prison camps in North Korea. It is estimated that about 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are currently in prison in North Korea. 50,000 to 70,000. You read about stories like a woman in India watches as her, as her sister is being dragged out by, by Hindu nationalists and she does not know if her sister is dead or alive right up to now. A woman in Nigeria, you know, fears for her life. She has escaped from Boko Haram, you know, the, 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 the terrorist group that has kidnapped her. She's pregnant 
And then when she returns home, her community will actually reject her and her baby. Do you know that in Afghanistan today, there are officially no local Christians. Believers risk their freedom, their livelihood, their families, their lives for their faith. And the most at risk are women. Women in Afghanistan are the most at, at risk. And if you are a Christian lady, that's even worse. They face physical abuse and may be sold into slavery or, or prostitution. Many, I think about 70 to 80% of Afghan women are forced into marriages with the Muslim men. Honor killing is, is very common for those who brought shame to their family. So the moment you turn to Christ, you brought shame to the family, they kill you as an act of honor. This is what we are facing. And I want to take this opportunity just to educate the church that there is a different world out there. We just happen to be very, very blessed to be living in a free country. But it doesn't remove the fact there is persecution going on. And listen, people, these people that I talked to you about, they don't live in the same region or even on the same continent. But they share only one common characteristic. They are all Christians and they suffer because of their faith. But the good news I have to tell you is this. History tells us that the persecution of the church does not kill the church. But in fact, it purifies it and it strengthens it. And persecution you know, drives us to God, drives us to His Word. Persecution actually drives us to prayer. And those are the key to discipleship. They are the key to church growth. Hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that in the light of what the church at large is going through, all that we, we go through really is nothing in comparison. How many of you agree? And yet, you know, we complain, we lament like as if we are all suffering for Jesus. I think we need to just get some perspective. Now, I remember going to Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Vietnam, when it first opened up in the, in the early 1900s. And I was invited, I went. The church in Vietnam at that time was ranked number six in the persecution index at that time, the sixth most persecuted nation. And when we went there, uh, at the invitation of the underground church to teach there, I tell you, it was a very secretive affair. And thank God I got Asian skin, right? So I looked like one of them. So we, would, we had to dress up, you know, trying to look like them. We, we had to dress up like them to act inconspicuous. And then we were taken on different motorbikes, you know, through dark alleys and back alleys and side street, change motorbike, keep changing motorbike. Finally, you get to this little house somewhere in the alley, and then we teach there. And by the time I went in, I have heard stories of groups being raided and the foreigners being deported, local, the, the local Christians were imprisoned, etc., but the Vietnamese believers, they were so hungry for the Word of God that they would take the risk, travel out of the villages to receive the training. It was an awesome experience, I tell you. To, to, what a privilege to be, able to, to be able to teach believers like that who knew that they were paying a price to actually study the, the Word of God. I mean, all of us, you just walk up to church Sunday after Sunday. And then you get someone preaching to you and you can sit as long as you want and... Uh, People start looking at the watch, you know. But these guys literally risk their life to listen to the Word of God. That's what we're talking about. And by the time I went in for my third trip, persecution have intensified. 
and lots of things were happening. I remember when I was going in for my third trip, when I reached Ho Chi Minh City, I just heard news that some other groups were already raided and, and the, the, the foreigners were arrested. So I was debating with my team at that time, should we cancel the training? Should we just close the, the training and go home? And then we were debating, no, should we be on, off, on, off, on, off? And we were all talking and everybody was like full of uh, very good reasons why we should cut it off. And we almost wanted to cancel it. When I never forget, this local believer came up to me. He pulled me aside as a leader to leader and he says, I want to ask you, uh, what do you think of this verse? And then he turned me to Revelations 21. <laughs> and this was the verse I read. Say, he who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, <laughs> the unbelieving, the vow, the murderers and all that, those who practice magic art, idolatrous liars, their place will be the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then he turned to me and said, Pastor, what do you think of this word cowardly? I felt so rebuked, you know. <laughs> I felt so rebuked. And the worst thing that can happen to us as foreigners is that we get deported. But for the local believers, it means jail. And they were not worried, but we were worried. I was more worried than them. So immediately I said, let's carry on with the training. <laughs> but I tell you, we did later pay the price because in a later trip, one of our church teams were raided and they were placed under house arrest and then deported. And uh, some of the Vietnamese leaders at that point, they were all put into prison. But I tell you, the underground church in Vietnam continues to grow right up to today. Same thing happened to us, right? In China, some years back, and Pastor Ching Lai and Sister Ellen were part of the team. And they, they also end up being arrested. But look at them, they're still here. So it's all good. <laughs> you know, all good. And, and I want you to know this. Satan can come in like a flood, but God will raise a standard against him. And Jesus promises, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I painted you a picture of the persecuted church for just two reasons. Firstly, I wanted to put the eighth beatitude in its context of severe persecution. I really don't want to cheapen this beatitude by reducing it to the kind of persecution that you and I go through in our very, very sheltered lives. A little bit of criticisms from non-Christians, a little bit of misunderstanding, some accusation, some parental objection, or you know, somebody don't like my post, they cancelled me because I'm not in their tribe, I'm so few, so persecuted, my classmates call me names. And then we think that we are undergoing persecution. Now, I'm not saying that what you go through is not is, is, is nothing. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that let's get some perspective. When we talk about persecution here, we are really talking about persecution at a magnitude that you and I have no idea about. We don't even come anywhere near it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then we don't get all caught up and feel like we are undergoing so much persecution. No, man. We're talking here about severe persecution. And in the light of this, my prayer, my hope, is that all of us will crawl out of our little you know, holes and pity parties and get on with the task of loving the Lord and loving the lost. There's much more than this. 
I wanted to bring to you the you know, gravity of real persecution that is happening all around the persecuted church today. And then we get some perspective. We kind of grow up, you know, and move on to more important things. And secondly, I, I want you to remember those who are suffering for the faith this morning. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13 verse 3, remember those who are in prison. And he's talking about the Christians that were in prison at that time. So remember those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. Brother Andrews, the founder of Open Doors, talked about his very first trip you know, into the persecuted nation more than 50, 60 years ago. At the end of his visit, he was so moved by everything he saw, that he literally said this to them. He said, he made them a promise that he, the persecuted church, he will pray for them. He told them that. He promised them he will do that. And this is the one thing that all of us must do for our persecuted brethren all across the world. How many of you say amen to that? Isn't that true? That we need to remember those who are in prison, who are going through all kinds of things for the sake of the faith. Now, now let's take a look. With that as a backdrop, I want you to take a look now, ex explore these verses carefully in Matthew chapter 5, and let's see what it says to us as subjects of the kingdom of God. Okay, firstly, you notice that Jesus was talking about being persecuted for righteousness' sake in verse 10, and for His name's sake in verse 11. It is persecution for these two reasons. Number one, for righteousness' sake. And number two, for His name's sake. We must differentiate clearly between being punished for our own wrongdoings and being persecuted for doing right. Okay, and the, the Apostle Peter, when he was writing to the church in his time that was undergoing tremendous persecution because of Nero, the emperor at that time, he wrote this in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Listen to this. Peter made for the difference clear for us. He said this, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, then you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler, <laughs> as a busybody. However, if you suffer as a Christian, then do not be ashamed, but praise God for you bear that name. If we do not behave properly and as a result incur the, the anger of, of, of non-Christians around us, that is not persecution. That is punishment for your foolishness. Are you with me? <laughs> Separate the two. You ask for it and so you deserve it because you don't behave properly. Remember, the message we bring to this world may be offensive. The message of the gospel is offensive, but the messenger need not be. The message we preach is offensive, but the messenger need not be. I've seen Christians who literally take the Bible and knock people over the head and tell people, no, this and that, and this and that, and we come across so judgmental that no wonder the world has a pushback. The world pushes back against us. See, and we make insensitive, offensive remarks, and we insult other people. And then we get scolded, and then we take pride. We walk away feeling proud. See, I'm persecuted for Jesus' sake. 
No, you are just insensitive. You're not persecuted. You're just being insensitive. And we thought, you know, that we are standing, we are storing up great rewards in heaven, but maybe not. Maybe not. See, and Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. The key, the whistle words there are falsely and for my sake. If people persecute you, insult you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, then yes, you are undergoing persecution, storing up treasures for yourself. But sometimes the evil that they say against us is not false but true. We are offensive. We are insensitive. We are arrogant and rude or meddling and overbearing. Then that's not persecution. That is just pushback because of the way we behave. Are you with me, church? We differentiate clearly. But if we are seeking to really live out the values of the kingdom, then persecution will come. And when they do come, then what is our response to persecution? I think Matthew chapter 5 gives us three very key words that we can use to respond to persecution. Let me outline them for you. The first is the word reign. To reign with Christ. Look at verse 10 now. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom, the reign of heaven. And this phrase simply means that we can reign with Jesus even under persecution. When you and I are able to rise above the offenses, rise above the insults, rise above the persecution, we are behaving like a king and not a slave. How many of you agree? When persecution comes, when people say all kinds of false things against you, if you are able to rise above that, now you are truly a king, not just a slave. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, the wise man says this, the king's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to do what? Overlook an offense. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. When people insult you for being a Christian, for wanting to live up to your Christian values, when they falsely accuse you of things you never do, we can do one of two things. One is we can retaliate with indignation. The other is we can respond with, with dignity. One will put you in the class of a, of a, of, of a commoner, a, a, a servant, the other in the class of a king. How do you respond when those persecutions come? If you retaliate in indignation and anger, then you are like any other person. But if we were to rise above it, then I think we put you in the class of a king. You can retaliate or you can reign. The choice is yours. And we, I see our Lord Jesus standing tall in the face of persecution every time. Right? Remember how when Peter cut off the soldier's ears in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did Jesus do? He took the time to actually heal the soldier before he marched off to face death. Only a king can do that. It takes a reigning king to have that presence of mind and that heart, even under persecution, about to face death. Most of us will be crying and screaming. Jesus took the time, healed the servant's ears first, and then marched off to the cross. That's the act of a reigning king. When he was questioned by his captors, Jesus answered every question with poise and dignity. 
That's the king. When the chief priests and the elders accused him of all sorts of things, Jesus answered nothing. Didn't say the word. They were not even worth his time. Even Pilate was amazed. That is the posture of a reigning king. And yet when one of the prisoners on the cross mocked him, remember? If you are truly the son of God, then send legions. When they mocked him, Jesus ignored him completely. But instead, he used his last final moments you know, to actually assure the other crucified man of a place in his kingdom. How many of you agree? That's the power of a reigning king. He was in charge, man. In his moment of deepest pain, Jesus had the presence of mind and trust his mother to his beloved disciple John and then entrust John to his mother. He took the time to do that while he was suffering on the cross. That is a, the act of a reigning king, man. What a king we serve. You know, in, at the climax of it all, when he was hanging on that cross with his final breath, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Only a king can do that in the face of people who are persecuting him. He had the presence. He had that, he had that grace to still say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. It is to a glory of a king to overlook an offense. It truly is. Jesus reigned under persecution, didn't he? Here's the second word. Rejoice. Take it the next level up. Rejoice. Look at verse 12 now. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when people persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. What an attitude. This world that we know, we either reject or we accept persecution, but a Christian goes beyond and actually rejoices in it. And you know what? It's not just glad, it's exceedingly glad. That means super glad. Impossible, we say to ourselves. And, and you're right. Because like all the other Beatitudes, it is impossible. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Only by the power of God can we do that. The disciples did it. They didn't just know about it, they did it. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, right? What happened? When persecution came, the disciples left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. They literally rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for His name. Hallelujah. The early church went through it. First Peter chapter 4, when they were persecuted by Nero, right? Verse 13 and 14, rejoice that you participated in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know, some years ago, I think at least 20 years now, I had the privilege of meeting a pastor from China by the name of Pastor Chan. i never forget that meeting. <laughs> They talked to him. They asked him to share about what he went through in China. He talked about how he was tortured by the communists, you know, in the prison camps before, uh, because he refused to deny Christ. And then he shared his story. They hated him. 
They hated him because he stood so firm that what they did was they sent him to do the, the worst job in the entire prison camp, which is to do this, to wash the cesspool, in other words, the human waste pit. His job was to wash that pit every morning at 4 a.m. They sent the prisoner they hated most to go do it. And he went. And every morning at 4 a.m., he would step into human waste, up, up to his knees, you know, in, in, in human waste, and clean that pool. The smell was so terrible, no soldier even wanted to come near him. And so what they did was they took him a distance away, sent him into the pool, and they stay out. And so what happened was Pastor Chan found himself every morning, 4 a.m., at the cesspool, all by himself. But every one of us would say, oh, you poor thing. You know what he did? He said, finally, I get a chance to be all alone. And it is in that cesspool he could literally go there, lift up his hands and praise God and sing at the top of his voice. And as a result, when he began to realize that that was, that was his portion, he said, wow, that's great. Now I can worship God freely every day. I can worship God freely. And instead of being upset, every morning at 4 a.m., he looked forward to going to that cesspool. And when he got there, he lifted up his hands and he began to worship God as he cleaned the pool. And the first song he said, I always, I still remember him saying it, you know, he said, every morning I go there, I look forward to it, and I always start with this old hymn, I come to the garden alone, when the dew is still on the flowers, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and he would worship God. And I said, wow, there's rejoicing in the midst of persecution. That is a posture of a king. Amen. He said, that's what it takes. That's taking it to the next level. Now I'll give you one last word and it take it to the top. And that's the word release. Release. The true disciple under persecution not only reign with Christ, not only rejoice, but he takes it a step further to release the love of God to those who come against Him. That's what they do. Just like Jesus did on the cross. Just like Stephen did when he was stoned to death. They said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Apostle Paul, when he outlined the actions of a Christian, said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. He said, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's what he's calling us to. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you keep burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil. Overcome evil with good. In other words, go in the opposite spirit. When persecuted, don't retaliate, but we reign, we rejoice, and we finally release the love of God to those who are oppressing us. And you know what? This was how David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, won the hearts, right? Won the heart of Nicky Cruz, the gangster in his book, The Cross and the Switchblade. When Nikki actually warned David Wilkerson that if you keep on preaching, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. 
David Wilkerson's response was this. He said, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, each and every piece will cry out, Jesus loves you. And that was what turned the heart of Nicky Cruz. In the end, Nicky Cruz became himself a great evangelist. And, and that is the power of love released. Reign, rejoice, release. Let me end with this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the last beatitude, and in a way, the climax of them all. You know, the world will always welcome a compromising Christian, but it hates the Christian who is all out to do God's will. But does persuasion, persecution, stop us from living out the will of God? It's a resounding no. Will persecution stop us from living out the values of the kingdom? The answer is no, absolutely not. In fact, it will remind us that ultimately we live out the Beatitudes, not because we know it, but only because we are fully dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power that I can live out these eight Beatitudes. No way. It is by the power of God. So what then should we do, church? What then should we do this morning? You know, here's, i like the worship team to come and I think there are two things I want us to do. The first is this. I think it will behoove us this morning to pray for the persecuted church. There are eight, 300 million undergoing tremendous persecution. The least you and I can do, we pray for them. Amen. We pray for them. Remember those who are in prison today, those who are being persecuted. Why don't you stand to your feet with me wherever you are? And let's not rush to go out and do so many things. I know there are many things we, we need to do, many things we can do, but why don't we take a moment this morning and we just take a time to just pray for them. This is our best response. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for the persecuted church. There are a few things that we can pray for. And in a few moments, I release you to pray. And I've, I've asked three of our leaders to come and lead us and... We pray that God will continue to provide for the secret believers all across the world and to keep them safe. We pray for believers who are in prison today. And we ask that even while they're in prison, they will know God's peace and God's presence and love. And despite the risk, the persecuted church will continue to share the gospel with others. And we pray that they will shine as light in the darkest places of the world. So, wherever you are, why don't you lift your hands Lift your hearts to God and I release you for just a minute. Just begin to pray. And as you put this, let's pray for them. Okay, I want you to open your mouth and let's just talk to God. And I'm going to invite the pastor then to come. Thank you, Lord. So wherever you are, just lift your hearts to God and talk to Him. Let's pray. Let's ask God to come and do something. And pastor then will come and lead us and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you, we praise you, and we lift up to you the persecuted church this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, our hearts are broken for the brothers and sisters all around the world who are facing persecution at a level that even our imaginations yes, cannot Lord. take us there. Today, we are filled with compassion, we're filled with remorse. Even for some of us, we may be filled with regret. 
But today, God is not about us; it's about them, Lord. Yes, Lord. And in some supernatural way, we now realize that yes, we are joined Lord. at the hip by with our brothers and sisters all around the world. Just as your word tells yes, us、Lord. that if one part of the body suffers, we、yes. suffer with it. If one part of the body rejoices, we rejoices with it. So we stand on behalf in solidarity with the brothers and sisters right yes, now、Lord. who are having it tough, having a hard time being persecuted, not even being able to come out to say that they are Christians into the open. Yes, and we stand on their behalf and say, God, would you just intervene in those situations, yes, Lord? Lord? Would you show up, God, wherever that they are secretly hiding, secretly meeting, God?、Yeah. May you be faithful to show、Amen. up in tangible, supernatural yes, ways.、Amen. May you show up even in those moments、oh, where they're all alone, yes, just、Lord. as what Pastor Chan experienced in his life. In his moment of loneliness, you were there with him. Yes, and、Lord. every one of the believers, every one of our brothers and sisters out there, may you be with them in this moment, God. Would you stand、yeah. with them? Keep them safe. Yes, Lord. Stand with them, God. Even in the darkest and the most lonely of times, let them know that you're still with them. Yes. We love them and we remember them, just as how Hebrew says, we remember them in this moment, and we entrust them、yes. into your faithful hands. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift up? The people in prison in your hearts, lift them up to the Lord as you focus on the Lord. Heavenly Father, your heart, Lord. Lord, is close to those, O、oh、God, who are in prison. Yes, Lord. Your heart, O、oh、God,、mm. is very close, O、oh、God, to them. Father, your heart, O、oh、God, sees and knows each and every one of them right now. Standing firm, O、oh、God, for Your name, Lord Jesus. And Father God, I pray right now, God, for each and every one that they will experience Your presence and Your love in a very tangible way. Yes, Lord. That this is what Lord will see them through, God, daily, Lord. This is what we'll see them through day in day out, God, as they stand firm. I pray, even O God, that you visit them in dreams, in visions, O God, that Lord, you manifest yourself to them in such a way that they know it is worth it. That as they stand firm, God, I know, God, that you give them a special anointing. You give them, O God, a special grace, O God, to go through it all. And I pray, Father God, that even as they stand firm. People around them, the guards will see、Amen. that there is something about them,、yeah. God. It is your presence、yes. there, in them, with them, O、oh、God, around、Amen. them, O、oh、God. That those prisoners who do not know you, that they will say, "What is it that you have? I want it too." Yeah. So, Father, yes, I pray that Your presence, Lord, will be so close to them,、Amen. and they will experience the tangible love of the Father, that sets them free、yes. deep within them. O、oh、God, they are not shackled, Father, within them, although they may be shackled around them, but they are free inside God, because Lord, You are yes, in、Lord. them, with them, for、yeah. them. O、oh、God, so Father, I pray, bend down to listen as、yes. they cry out to You. Amen. Yes, Bend、Lord. low, heavenly Father, because that's what you promise in your word. That when your people cry out to you, God, you listen, O、oh、God. And I pray for every prisoner, every、yeah. persecuted Christian, as they cry out to you, Lord. Bend low, and let them know that you hear, O、oh、God. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you, God. And、Amen. I pray for us as church here that we will always remember to pray for your people, O、oh、God, in chains. I pray,、Amen. God, for ourselves, O、oh、God. That we will have that perspective, God. 
I ask for your grace, O God, that we will have that perspective, God, and that we will prepare ourselves, God, for a time to come. For Lord Jesus, you say, when, not if. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray again. Let's pray that the gospel will go forth wherever these people are, wherever people are suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for our brothers and sisters who serve as, as an inspiration and a challenge for us. Those who are willing to give up their freedoms, their yeah. rights, their lives for your namesake, God. Amen. To hold on to you, to know you and to know the riches of yeah. your glory. And so, Lord, we just pray for them. We pray that you would strengthen them, Lord. We pray, Lord, that they would not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to bring salvation to all who believe. And so, Lord, we pray that as they yeah. hold on to yes, you, Lord, Lord, that the gospel would go forth. Amen. And as they hold on to you with all that they have, as they endure persecution, as they endure death, as they endure uh, imprisonment, Lord, I pray, Lord, that the gospel would go forth in a Amen. real and yes, powerful Lord. way, Lord. That courage Amen. would rise yes, in their hearts. Lord. Faith yeah. would rise in their hearts that they are living yeah. and dying yes, for a Lord. God who is worthy of it Amen. all. That there is nothing in this yes. earth, there is nothing in heaven Hallelujah. or hell that could separate them from the love that is available for them in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is no persecution, no torture, no mm. stripping away of rights, Lord, that will separate them from yeah. you, God. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your light will shine forth through yes. these people. We thank you, Lord, that they have been called to a place, God, which is dark. Not so that they can suffer, but so that they can shine the greatest yeah. light that there is in the Amen. darkness. For where there is great darkness, Lord, your light shines the brightest. Lord, we declare Amen. Isaiah chapter 60 over your people. Arise, shine, shine for, for your light, light has come. come yeah. And the glory of the Lord Amen. rises upon yes. you. See, Amen. darkness comes yes, to you. Thick Amen. darkness over the people. Yes. But the Lord rises Amen. upon you. Yes, and His glory appears over Amen. you. Nations will come to your yeah. light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Yes. Lift up your eyes and Amen. look about you. All assemble Hallelujah. and come to you. Your sons yes. come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Lord God. Jesus, you are the one Wait. who saves. You are the one who brings forth salvation. And so God, we pray, Lord, that your name would go forth in all these dark places. Arise, shine, church, yes. for the light of the gospel, Hallelujah. the light of the Lord Jesus Christ is upon us. Amen. We pray that you would strengthen them. Be real yes. to them. Show yourself strong. We believe in a God yes. who is mighty to Amen. save. Amen. Shine your light, Lord. Let the whole world see. We are singing for the glory of the risen King, the yeah. King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is His name. And all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Yes, Lord. Church, why don't you sing with us? Thank you, Jesus. Sing. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Forever. Author of salvation. Heroes and conquerors.
believe that we don't just pray, but there's another thing we can do in practical ways. We want to be able to support the work and to be able to, to bless those that are really undergoing persecution right now financially. This morning, when after our service, in a few moments, I'm going to dismiss us. When you go outside in the foyer, we have set up a table where you could actually support the work of Open Doors Australia, uh, who are bringing, who are reaching out to the persecuted church. And here's the things that here are two things that, that you can do. Those of us who are parents, I want to encourage you to go outside and you order a book of the website, and we'll help you to do that when you go outside. There's a children's book that costs only $10. And it's a book that actually tells the story of two boys. One is raised in the persecuted world and the other is in the first world. And then it's a wonderful way to educate our children that there is another world that we, we, you and I are not aware of. And it's good to, let, to, to train our children and to help them to understand that there is a persecuted world out there. Those of you who don't have children, you can order a book written by Brother Andrew on the persecuted church entitled And God Changed His Mind. And we can, or you can order both for a total of $25. But every single cent that you put in there will actually go to open doors to support their work amongst the persecuted church. And we as a church will also sow a sum into it so that together we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters that are undergoing a terrible time. Uh, out there and we want to remind all of us again that in persecution we do not weaken or harden but we reign with Christ we rejoice for the for our kingdom uh, for the reward that is to come and we release everything back to the Lord and then we truly become world changers history makers planet shakers if you like you know I love this poem and I quote it often when believers changes in the world of sin, you know, we see the stuff that is happening around us. And sometimes I'm just reminded, you know, if earthly troubles cause us to dismiss believers' changes in the world of sin, I want you to take heart, my brothers, when I tell you this. I read the ending of this book in Revelation, and it says, We win. In the end, the church will win. In the end, we will stand. And whatever may come, come what may, God is still in control and we will win in the end. Father, I thank you for these moments when we can be reminded again of our brothers and sisters who are undergoing a terrible time and we can stand together with them in spirit, in prayer and also by sowing into their lives. And Lord, I pray this morning, send us away with our inner compass calibrated by your word. So when we go through difficult times, even when we are undergoing persecution, Lord, we will rejoice because we know our rewards are in heaven. Lord, we will, we will not be afraid, but God, we will stand and declare that your word is true. And we look forward to our reward in heaven. Now, may the love of the Father, peace of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit go with us. Amen and amen.